Tune in this Thursday for a special edition of All Andy Alfred as Andy comes to you from downtown Toledo for the 2019 opening day of the Toledo Mud Hens. Andy will preview the Toledo Mud Hens and their reigning IL West Championship. You'll also hear Andy's prediction for the 2019 MLB season. Follow the show on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred. So tune in this upcoming Thursday for a special downtown version of All Andy Alfred on either Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podcast Now. We'll see you down at the ballpark this upcoming Thursday for opening day 2019. After a week off, yours truly is back on the radio dial tonight, of course. And boy, howdy, we have a lot to get into tonight. Of course, opening day today in Cleveland, Ohio. The Indians salvage the win and get to 500. While Detroit, even even 500, going into the Bronx. And they get ready for their home opener this Thursday. The final four is set. We'll give you the updated standings in the bracket challenge, as well as my opinion about the first few games of this tournament. The Walleye struggle at home this weekend, and Cincinnati was so close last night to getting that Brabham Cup. We'll preview and break down their week, both teams going forward as we hit the final week of the ECHL regular season and the final week of the NHL. The Jackets are holding the first wild card position? Could it be? Could I be eating crow? It looks like it. But there's no crow being served right now because it's time for all Andy Alfred. Guess who's back? All in the Alfred. 24 runs in the span of the Shut out. Gambino! Hip to a home run! Yes, me. Choo choo, it's time for All in the Alfred. And with that, I say, oh, I love you guys, and welcome in to another edition of All in the Alfred. No fool in you tonight. We are on the air on this April 1st. 2019 edition of All Andy Alfred right here on the Anchor Network. And you are listening to me on the plethora of platforms, whether it be on iTunes and Apple Music. Thank you for tuning in. Whether you're listening to me on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me, wherever and whenever you're listening to me, thank you for choosing All Andy Alfred tonight as your podcast home. And you can always be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred. So welcome aboard another edition of the program. A lot to cover tonight, of course. It's going to be one of those long shows tonight. So uh, bear with me if you've got the time. You've got the patience. We're going to do a lot of recaps since we've been off a week, of course. We're going to break down the NCAA tournament and the final four teams. Of course, 
none of my teams, except for one, making the Final Four. And we'll also look at the Tournament Bracket Challenge as well. And we will have, basically, a new winner, possibly, for this Bracket Challenge. Also tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about opening day in Cleveland, Ohio. The Indians getting a big win against the White Sox. We'll talk about that, as well as talking, recapping their series in Minnesota, which is opening week. We'll also talk a little bit about the Tigers and their opening starts in Toronto as well as now in the Bronx for a three-game series against Zach Hample's New York Yankees. Yes, I said the New York Yankees. Uh, so, yeah, we're we're set and ready to go. And also we're going to talk about the walleye as well as the Andy Rants tonight and a taste and prediction for this upcoming WrestleMania this upcoming Sunday. So welcome aboard. Lots to get into tonight, of course. So let's get started right away. And we'll start in the NHL first and foremost. And let's start with the Jackets. I said at the beginning of last week that this team, after the Calgary loss, if they lost to Edmonton, then that's the season for me. That's the season in a nutshell. And it did happen. They lost to Edmonton 4-1. to one. Now, I, I, I look at that game, and they just laid an absolute egg when it comes to that. The Western Canadian trip had to have been one of those, a trip that the Jackets desperately needed. Especially against an Edmonton team that's not that great this year. Not in the playoffs. Calgary, who's now the best team in the Western Conference. I knew they were not going to be struggling against that. But the road trip that started in Boston goes to Calgary. They lose to Calgary. Lose two straight. Go into Edmonton. Lose 4-1 to to the Oilers. And if you've seen the Twitter, pay, the Twitter account of our show, I basically said that that's it. The season's done. There's no chance Montreal has the better would have a better run in their last two weeks of the season. I, I wrote this team off. I will be the first to admit it. I wrote this team off. But boy, howdy, has time changed. Since I last left you, we're, the Jackets are on a five-game winning streak. I am pounding on my wooden desk hard. I am pounding hard for this streak to continue. Got a chance to go down to Nationwide this past Tuesday. We were planning on doing the show in Columbus Tuesday night. The logistics couldn't work out as much, but boy howdy, a great game I saw on Tuesday against the New York Islanders. But let's start off with last Sunday. A week span, we'll cover the recap of the week for the Jackets. And we'll start last Sunday that finished up the Western Canadian road trip with the trip to Rogers Center in Vancouver, British Columbia. And the Jackets piloted on and beating the Canucks by a score of 5 to nothing. It opened up the scoring with Josh Anderson, his 25th of the season, from Pierre-Luc Dubois and Adam McQuaid. And it was one nothing CBJ after 20 minutes. Dubois then getting his 24th of the season from Panarin. It was 2 nothing, not even a minute into the second period. 
Dezingle scores his 24th of the season. Third with the Jackets. 3-0 in favor of CBJ after 40 minutes of play. And now I'm saying to myself, okay, we're up 3-0. Whenever the Jackets are up 3-0, it's either they've got they've got it in the wraps or something's going to happen. Nothing really happened, but more goals happened for the Jackets. Jackets continue the onslaught in the third period. Oliver Bjorkstrand, his 16th of the season from Boo Jenner and Alexander Wenberg. It was 4-0. Anderson then getting the unassisted goal in the third period. His 26th of the season, a two-goal night for Josh Anderson as the Jackets beat the Vancouver Canucks 5-0. They outshot the Vancouver Canucks in the game 33-21. They led off in the faceoff department by 56% to 44%. Both teams were over on the power play. The Canucks did out-hit the Jackets by a count of 29-9. Sergei Bobrovsky, brilliant. Another stellar shutout performance, stopping all 21 shots put on him. And for Vancouver, it was Tenko stopping 28 of 33. His save percentage, 8.848. So the Jackets getting a big win in Rogers Center in Vancouver, British Columbia. And it was great to see the Jackets. You know, I was up late watching that game. It didn't end until about 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning. And I said to myself, all right, we got the win. We salvaged We salvaged the game. We got two points out of it. We have to keep the momentum going going forward. And they kept the momentum going, folks. They have continued to keep the momentum going. And a great game Tuesday night at Nationwide Arena. Me, the Mrs. Amanda, and her two friends got a chance to go down to Nationwide. It was their first NHL experience. We were six rows from the glass in Section 120 in the lower bowl. Great game. Great seats. Great nachos, by the way. But I got to say, Nationwide Arena has the best nachos in all of the NHL. All the NHL. And I've been to... Joe Lewis. I have been to Nationwide, of course. I have been to PBG. I have been to I have been to United Center. I have been to the old Joe. Best nachos. Barnum. But a 4-0 blanking of the New York Islanders. A thumping of the Islanders. And Bobrovsky getting yet again another shutout. Back-to-back shutouts in this game. And Ryan Dezingle in the power play starts the scoring off of the Jackets. It's 1-0. Dezingle, his 25th of the season for Wierenski and Jenner. And it was a broken play, you know, and Dezingle puts it on net. And he he was rewarded with the goal. It went right through Thomas Grice, who is pitching a, basically a shutout so far in the last two games against the with the Islanders. It's his 25th of the season. His fourth as a jacket. It's 1-0 after 20 minutes. Nobody scores in the second, of course. And then it finally happened. It's about gosh darn time, Artemi. He has been off the scoreboards, the goal boards, since, get this, February 24th, he has been scoreless. 
He gets a breakaway on the a great shot. Atkinson tips it out to him. And I love this line of the PAD the PDA line. Of Pierre of Dubois, Atkinson, and Panarin. I love this line. It's a great line. I think Tortorella finally hit the nail on the caught on the right note with that line. Panarin hits 26 of the season from Atkinson and Matt Duchesne. And it was excuse me, it was Duchesne, Atkinson, and Panarin on that same line. You have those three guys on the line. Goals are gonna score. And that's what happened. 26th of the season, Atkinson is 27th, and Duchesne his 35th assist of the season. Bjorkstrand, a great goal, tips it out. The it's a broken play in the into the Islander zone. Bjorkstrand steals the puck, puts it on Grice, beats him. It's three nothing Jackets. And I'm sitting in my seat at Nationwide, and I am dancing, boys. I'm dancing. I'm saying. It's about time this team started running up. And then Atkinson with the empty netter, putting it away, and Bobrovsky getting another shutout. His sixth shutout of the season. Back-to-back shutouts for Bobrovsky as the Jackets beat the New York Islanders at 200 West Nationwide Boulevard in front of yours truly by a score of 4 to nothing. The Jackets outshot the Islanders in the game 33 to 26. They led in the faceoff department 59% to 42%, excuse me, 58% to 42%. They converted one for one on the power play. No penalties in the game, uh, excuse me, one penalty in the game for the Jackets. Two minutes, four minutes of penalties for the Islanders. The Jackets out hitting the Islanders, blocking the Islanders, takeaways. It was it was a dominating performance by this Jacket team. And Thomas Grice stopping 28 of 30. His save percentage of a .906. Roski stopping all 26 of 26. He faced the number one star of the game, of course, was Sergei Bobrovsky. The number two star, Oliver Bjorkstrand. And Ryan Dezingle, the number three star. And you'll hear the number are three stars of the week for the Jackets here momentarily. But after this game, this sets up what Thursday was. Now, Thursday was a pivotal, this was the game of the year. This would determine whether or not this team is legitimate. If they're going to make the postseason, you can play all your games in the month of, much of March as much as you can. This game is the most, was the most important of the full season for the Jackets. And it was against the Montreal Canadiens. The Canadiens holding the spot in front of the Jackets at the time of the wild card race. The Jackets on the outside looking in. I saw this game from start to finish. Listened to a little bit of the car with Bob McKellican, of course. Got got him home. Watched it from, from start to finish. I was at the restaurant, listening to the game, watching the game on my phone. This was a big game. And the Jackets needed to step up, and the goalless streak for Bobrovsky ended on Thursday night 
with Kalak. His sixth of the season from Max Domi and Andrew Shaw was one nothing Montreal after 20 minutes of play. Now, it was great to see Nick Foligno come back into the lineup on Tuesday night. You know, his son has been battling pneumonia. And the Foligno family has been battling a lot of illnesses. And it takes away from his, you know, his leadership on the bench. But everything, everybody's healthy. Everybody's perfectly fine now. Thank goodness our thoughts and prayers are still with the Foligno family with everything. And... He comes back on Tuesday, makes an impact in the game on Tuesday, on Thursday night, helping David Savard, his seventh of the season from Dubitsky and Felino, and they tie the game at one at the beginning of the a minute forty two into the second period. Then of course Montreal comes back. It's Petrie, not even about six minutes difference. Petrie is 12th from Durant and Kulak. And it's 2-1 Montreal. And then a great shot by Seth Jones from the point. Bjorkstrand tips it. Goes past the goaltender Carey Price. It's tied at 2. It's tied at 2, folks. And then again, again, the bread comes through. And beats Price again. From Duchesne and Nudavara. It's 3-2 CBJ. 3-2 unanswered. From the Jackets. And the route began. Third period. Three minutes in. Riley Nash getting a goal unassisted. His second goal. His second goal of the season. It's 4-2 Jackets. Bjorkstrand, again, 5-2 Jackets. Four minutes and 22 seconds of the third period. And I'm sitting there. It's 5-2. I'm like, okay. It's 5-2. All right, we can't blow this. We can't blow this. And Dubitsky buries the empty netter. I'm yelling at the TV. I lost my voice on the TV. And the Jackets... Get the job done! On Thursday, propelling them into the wild card race and giving them the advantage, the tiebreaker, the wins over the roll record, and giving them the opportunity to play for Lord Stanley's Cup in the playoffs this upcoming year. As the Jackets beat the new, the Montreal Canadiens by a score of six to two, Jackets outshot the Montreal Canadiens in the game thirty to twenty-eight. Both teams fifty percent at the faceoff dot. Both teams over two on the power play. The Jackets out hitting the Canadiens thirty-four to thirteen. Carey Price stopping twenty-four of twenty-nine. His save percentage a point eight two eight for Bobrovsky in the game. He stopped a total of 26 of 28. His save percentage of a point nine two nine. The three stars, Bjorkstrand getting the number one star, Savard the number two star, and Riley Nash getting the number three star. So the Jackets, a big win, giving them the momentum, giving them the opportunity to 
put themselves into the driver's seat for a playoff spot. Montreal is now reeling, folks. A, and we'll go over the schedules here for for all three wildcard teams here in just a second, including the Pittsburgh Penguins. We'll talk about that here in just a second as well. But continuing on the trip, five games in seven days for the Jackets. They go into Nashville. Now I'm singing. I'm thinking about this. I thought about this on Friday night. All right, we're in Nashville. Nashville's in the playoffs already. They have clinched a spot. Can we get a win in Smashville? Can we get the job done? We have been struggling when we go into Nashville this the last few years. And did they get the job done? Oh, yes, they can. The Jackets getting a 5-2 win in Nashville Saturday night. And it all started off a big first period for the CBJ. Putting three goals in the first period alone by this Jacket team. It was unbelievable. To see this team finally jelly. And you know, I, I, I said it before and I'll say it again. The team, the Jackets... I thought we're dead to rights. I thought they were dead to rights. I didn't think they were gonna they were going to do something, make this run that is impossible. I I told a few people I told a few people that this team needed a good long win streak to get into it, and they're running finding it at the right time. And oh yes, Cam did start the scoring for the Jackets. His 40th of the season from Panarin and Duchesne. It's 1-0 after 50 seconds into the first period. Victor Arvidsson then, however, ties the game up 8 minutes and 50 seconds into the first period, unassisted, his 33rd of the season, and then the Jackets pushed it with David Savard, his 8th of the season from Panarin and Nudavard. 2-1 Jackets. Bjorkstrand continuing his point streak. It's 3-1 CBJ after 20 minutes of play. Starting of the second, Phil Forsberg getting his 27th of the season. It was 3-2 CBJ. Until then, Boone Jenner. Some goals make you want to say Boone! His 16th of the season from Dean Kukan. It's 4-2 Jackets. And then the Cam Show again. His 41st of the season from Duchesne and Panarin. The PDA line continues to run its course. And the Coats are up 5-2. to two. And that was the final at Bridgestone. Silencing the crowd. And at the end of the game, you can hear the Jacket fans that made the trek. The building was chanting, CBJ! C-B-J! C-B-J! The whole entire way. I heard it. The missus heard it. We knew something was was happening with this team. As they cruised to a 5-2 win over the Predators. The Jackets out shooting Nashville in the game 32-25. Nashville did lead in the faceoff department 50, 66% to 34%. Both teams over on the power play. 
Uh, the Jackets out hitting the Predators in the game 13-10. The three stars of the game looked like this. The number one star was Artemi Panarin. The number two star, Cam Atkinson, and Matt Duchesne, the number three star. So after the Saturday win, it was a back-to-back night. The Jackets then got on the plane, headed up to Buffalo, New York, to see the Buffalo Sabres. The last time the Sabres were at Nationwide, it was an interesting game. The Sabres were competitive all the way. You know, and you can't really count out the, the Sabres. I know Chris Kernan and the Sabres are a, are, are a very, very good team. You really can't count them out. But here's the thing. When a team is out of a playoff run, you know that they're, 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 not, they're not at their best. And when they have lost six straight going into the game, they're desperate for a win. They do anything to get the W. And the Jackets take the season series over the Sabres. Two games to one. Last time at Nationwide, they lost 5-4. to four. That was on the 29th of March. Jackets did win their game October 27th at home in overtime by a score of 5-4. to four. But the Jackets punishing the Sabres in the game. With three unanswered in the first period alone. Started off... With Pierre-Luc Dubois, his 25th of the season from Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski. It's one nothing Jackets. And Bjorki again, his 21st of the season from Dubois and Foligno. It's 2 nothing Jackets. And then finally, $500 to the Janice Foligno Foundation as Nikki F. buries it, his 17th of the season. For Ryan Dezingle, it's 3 nothing Jackets after 20 minutes of play. Now, I'm at Nate, I'm at Huntington Center watching, following the game a little bit with my friend Everett Fitzhugh, who is in the booth with me. We're talking about the game as it's going on. And Everett, you know, he he's an Oilers fan. I told him right off the bat, I said to him, I said, can't you guys just give me one bloody win all that whole Western Canadian road trip. He's like, nah, I couldn't do it. So we go into the second, and Josh Anderson finishes it off for the Jackets. 4-0 CBJ, and that was the final at Key Bank Center in Buffalo, New York. As the Jackets get the Buffalo Sabres their seventh loss of the season. Seventh loss of seven-game losing streak continuing for the Sabres by a score of 4 to nothing. However, Buffalo did outshoot the Jackets in the game 38 to 36, but the Jackets led in the faceoff department 54% to 46%. Um belly on the power plays were 0 for and the power play 0 for 2 for the Jackets 0 for 1 for the Sabers. The both teams shared in the hits, 16 hits apiece. The the three stars of the game and by the way, Bobrovsky, his seventh shutout of the season. He goes 4-0 and oh, on the week, he gets the number one star this past week on NHL.com. The guy deserves it. He's an absolutely dominant. He's putting this team on his back. And he deserves a paycheck, Yarmo. Three-year deal. Sign Bob. Get rid of bread. Dubois, the number one star. Felino, the number two star. And Bobrovsky, the number 
three stars of the Jackets. Five-game winning streak continuing. Great to see. It's absolutely great to see, and it's great that you're listening to all Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you're listening, wherever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. I know we went a little long on the Blue Jackets segment, of course, folks, but let's dive the rest of the NHL, and as well as looking at the final week of the NHL schedule for the teams in the playoff race. So with the Jackets winning on Sunday night against Buffalo, they will finish up the final final st- week of the NHL play with one game at home, two games on the road. They have three games left in the regular season. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock at 200 West Nationwide Boulevard, the final home game of the 2018-19 season. Season play, the Boston Bruins. 7 o'clock puck drop. That game on Nesson and on NBCSN. Yes, we've been flexed to a nationally televised game. Oh, boy, boys. I'll, I'll, I'll save my bit here in just a second for Andy Rance about that. So, And then the Jackets finish up their final two games on the road with the New York Rangers at Madison Square Garden on the 5th. And on the 6th, in Ottawa to see the Ottawa Senators. So the Jackets, a big win, five-game winning streak, continuing on. And last night in the NHL, a few other games on news and notes to pass along to you. Of course, it was the New York Rangers getting the big 3 nothing win in Philadelphia and basically killing the, killing the Flyers. The Flyers losing the night before to Carolina. And mathematically being eliminated from the playoffs. So the Flyers are out. They get beat on national television by the Rangers by a score of 3 to nothing. That's a pivotal game. A pivotal loss for the Flyers. And the Flyers have a lot to they had a lot to play for on Saturday night against Carolina and they they just a heartbreaking loss. And how good that team has been all season, to see it fall apart like that, it, it, it says a lot. But Carolina then hit the road. They went into Pittsburgh, and thanks to the Penguins, the Hurricanes beat the the, the Hurricanes, lose to the Penguins by a score of 3-1. to one. So the Jackets, a big key win on Sunday against the Sabres, propels them in just a little bit. We'll talk about the standings here in just a second. Boston loses to Detroit 6-3. Calgary, a 5-3 win over the San Jose Sharks. The Wild, they get shut out by the Arizona Coyotes by a score of 4-0. Tonight on the docket in the NHL looks like this. A full schedule of games. Jackets are not playing, of course. Toronto is in the aisle to take on the Islanders. It's Tavares back in New York to take on the Islanders. Winnipeg is in Chicago to take on the Blackhawks. It will be Washington on the road to play the the Florida Panthers. The battle of supremacy, you would say, as the Devils host the New York Rangers. The Lightning are in Ottawa to take on the Senators. It will be on NBC. It's in the Avalanche taking on, <laughs> excuse me here, they'll be taking on the, oh, excuse me, 
They'll be Avalanche are on the road taking on the St. Louis Blues. The Nightcap sees the Oilers in Vegas to take on the Golden Knights and the Calgary Flames on the road to play the LA Kings. So the Jackets, big game for them on Tuesday night as they take on the Boston Bruins. And here's why I say that. The Jackets have a huge game with the Bruins on Tuesday night. I'll just keep repeating it. Five-game winning streak on the line. National television. And the standings look like this. The President's Trophy has been clinched by the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're 59-15-4 with 122 points. It is in second place, the Boston Bruins at 47-23-9 with 103 points. Toronto has not yet clinched a playoff spot. They're 45-26-7 with 97 points. The Metro looks like this. Washington, 47-24-8 with 102 points. They'll win the Metropolitan Division with that. Uh, the Islanders at 46-26-7 with 99 points. They're the second position in the Metro. Third is the Pittsburgh Penguins at 43-25-11 with 97 points. The wild card race looks like this. Holding the first wild card position with the win last night. The Jackets are in the first wild card position at 45, 30, and 4 with 94 points. Carolina, 43, 29, and 7 with 93 points in the second position. Montreal is the team on the outside looking in. And they've got a long road, folks. We'll talk about them here in a second. Montreal, 42, 29, and 8 with 92 points. Philadelphia, mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. They're, they're going to finish with a record of 34 Excuse me, 37, 34, and 8 with 82 points. And rounding and rounding out the rest of the Eastern Conference, Florida is 35, 32, and 12 with 82 points. The Rangers, 31, 34, and 13 with 75 points. Detroit will finish below 500 at 31, 38, and 10 with 72 points. Buffalo, 31, 38, and 10 with 72 points as well. The Devils at 29, 40, and 10 with 68 points. And the Ottawa Senators will be the worst team in the NHL with a record of 28-44-6 with 62 points. Western Conference standings looks like this. Winnipeg is in the first position, holding the wild card, holding the first position. They're going to be playing either, da- either Dallas, yeah, they'll be playing Dallas in the first round with a record of 45-29-4 with 94 points. Nashville, 44-29-6 with 94 points. St. Louis, 42-28-8 with 92 points. The Pacific Division, the Calgary Flames have won the Western Conference with a record of 49-23-7 with 105 points. The San Jose Sharks are in second place in the Pacific Division at 44-28-9 with 97 points. Vegas, 42-30-7 with 91 points. Here is the Western Conference wildcard race. It is open to interpretation of who's going to be in it. There are six teams that are in this position. The top two are as follows. Dallas, 41, 31, and 7 with 89 points. Colorado is holding the second position right now at 36, 29, and 13 with 85 points. Arizona on the outside looking at 38, 33, and 8 with 84 points. Minnesota got a lot to work on. At 36, 34, and 9 with 81 points. Chicago, 34, 33, and 11 with 79 points. They have to win out. Vancouver is out at 34, 35, and 10 with 78 points. 
Edmonton, 34, 35, and 9 with 77 points. They're out of the playoffs. Anaheim, 33. 37 and 10 with 76 points. And the LA Kings are the worst team in the Western Conference at 29, 40, and 9 with 67 points. So, like I said, the Jackets have Boston this Tuesday. They are then finishing on the road with the Rangers on Friday. Saturday, they are in Ottawa to take on the Ottawa Senators. Carolina, this is their remaining schedule. They are at Toronto tomorrow night at home Thursday to see the Devils. Saturday, they're in Philadelphia to take on the Flyers. So there is one win, maybe two wins, two and one of that. The Jackets have to win, be two and one out of the whole week at two. I mean, if they go three and oh, that'd be perfect as well, too. Montreal has the roughest schedule of the final wildcard teams. They are on the road to Tampa Bay tomorrow night. Uh, at home, excuse me, against Tampa Bay tomorrow night. On the road to Washington on Thursday, and they finish the season at home against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Of these three teams, it it's kind of safe, not safe to say that the Jackets are in, but where they fall is very, very key. If you're the second wild card race, you're going to be playing the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round and might as well start packing the uh, the golf clubs. If you're the first wild card team, you're playing the Washington Capitals. And now Washington last year against Columbus, we all know that, that story. Jackets up to go. They fall apart quicker than a Walmart lawn chair in the storm. Fell really, really apart. So the Jackets, a big game tomorrow night against Boston. A Montreal loss basically seals them into a playoff spot. But we'll see. See, And there is still an outside chance that Pittsburgh, that the Jackets could get the third position in the, wild, in the, in the Metropolitan Division. It is a long shot. But here's what Pittsburgh has. They have back-to-back against Detroit. Tuesday at Detroit and Thursday in Detroit, at home against Detroit, and they finish the season against the Rangers. I could see them going three and zero and getting the getting the third position really easily. So I'm banking more towards that the Jackets will get a wild card spot this year. But it has been a tremendous NHL season, and we are looking forward to recapping what happens this upcoming Tuesday for another edition of All Andy Alford. As you're listening to the program right here on the All Andy Offer Network, powered by Anchor, and you're listening to me, like I said, on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in, and let's continue to hit the ice. Let's talk about the premier double-A hockey team in the Cincinnati Cyclones and the Toledo Walleye. So the Walleye had a huge weekend at home at the Huntington Center, but it all started for a certain team down in the Queen City of of Ohio, that is the ECHL's franchise that is the Buffalo Sabres affiliate, and that is the Cincinnati Cyclones. The Cyclones started the week off on Wednesday night at home at U.S. Bank Arena as they took on the Kansas City Mavericks. And boy, oh boy, big goals for the Cyclones in this game. 
All started with Patrick Quinn, Quinn, his 26th of the season. Then Jesse Schultz, his 22nd of the season. It was 2-0 Cyclones after 20 minutes of play. Arvin Atwal, his 10th of the season, continuing the scoring trend for the Cyclones. It was 3-0 before Kansas City getting two goals by Sides and Dorinsky. His 15th of the season, side his 18th of the season. And it was 3-2 in favor of the Cyclones after 40 minutes of play. But the Cyclones turning it up. Vosk Lotov, his 18th of the season. And Brady Vale, his 26th of the season. Putting it away for the Cyclones. However, with a minute less than a minute to play, less than a second left to play. Or Quint getting his 10th of the season for Kansas City as it was a final at U.S. Bank Arena this past Wednesday night as the Cyclones getting a 5-3 win over the Kansas City Mavericks. The Cyclones out shooting Kansas City in that game 31-25. Cincinnati 2-for-3 on the power play. Kansas City 0-for-5. In the game, it was Michael Hauser stopping 22-of-25. McDonald gets the loss. He stopped 26-of-31. So the Cyclones a big win. On Wednesday night, the 27th of March. And then we get to Friday night's games. Big games for the Fish. A big win for them as they took on Kansas City. Kansas City, their only appearance at the Huntington Center this season. And it started off the scoring streak by Shane Bershak at the 17:47 mark. His a goal, a goal on Friday night. First back his twenty, his excuse me, his nineteenth of the season, not his nineteenth, not his twentieth, his nineteenth of the season. It was one nothing after twenty minutes of play. Dylan Saddleway his twenty third of the season in the second period, and it was two nothing. Fish, Garintis getting his first goal as a fish, his first of the season from Shane Burschback and Brian Moore. It was three nothing walleye before Dosher his sixteenth of the season. It was 3-1 in favor of the Walleye. And then Shane Burschback mentioned his 20th of the season from Spezia and Gorinsic. And it was a final at Huntington Center as the Walleye get a 4-1 win over the Kansas City Mavericks. Kansas City out shooting Toledo in the game 39-30. Toledo 2-5 for five on the power play. Kansas City 0-3. So the Walleye a big win there, of course. A slow week for for Cincinnati. Cincinnati then went into, on Saturday night, went into Indianapolis to take on the Indy Fuel. And you saw, you see the Indy Fuel getting a very good starting prominence for them in the game as it was Bora, his 10th of the season, for Powell, his 29th of the season, and it was 1-1 before DeWitt's his seventh of the season, it was 2-1 in favor of the Cyclones. Before Nielsen, his sixth at the 16:03 mark of the first period, his 14th of the season, and we're tied at two after 20 minutes of play, and that's what it stayed after 40 minutes of play. And then Cincinnati turned down the Jets after Rupert, his 24th of the season, for made it a 3-2 game. For Indianapolis, but then Brady Vale, his 27th of the season, and Justin Vive, his 19th of the season, putting it away for the Cyclones as the Cyclones getting a 4-3 win over the Indy Fuel and basically putting Indy out of the playoff spot. And with 
that win. Two points away from the Brabham Cup. The Brabham Cup in the East Coast Hockey League is the be- is similar to what the NHL's President's Trophy is. They're the best team in the league for the year. And that is our, in the AA Hockey Pro season, the President's Trophy. Cincinnati getting outshot in the game 34-23. to Both teams over on the power play. It was Tompkins getting the loss, stopping 19 of 23. Rumors starting for Cincinnati, he stopped 31 of 34. The, and on the other end of the, th- of the spectrum, Toledo was hosting Kalamazoo on the first night of Fortnite night. Toledo took on the Kalamazoo Wings at, at the Huntington Center and the K-Wings shutting out the walleye for the third time this month. The second time at home by a score of three to nothing. Mullins, Blaney, and Sadler all scoring for the K Wings. Both teams over on the power play. Kalamazoo outshot Toledo in the game 31 to 27. As the K Wings down the walleye. So it sets up last night at the Huntington Center. The Cyclones were two points away from the Brabham Cup. The best record in the ECHL taking on, quite honestly, the, if, quite honestly, is going to probably be the division final, the North Division final between the Toledo Walleye and the Cincinnati Cyclones. And overall, a great game. Great game. The Walleye. Did not start Pat Nagel. Nagel was called up to Grand Rapids. Caden Fulcher was called up to Grand Rapids. Then he was called up to be the backup for Jimmy Howard. So the former Toledo Walleye legend, Jeff Lurg, on emergency backup. Only way he would get in is if the goaltender that was in front of him got injured. Ever insert Trevor Gorsuch. A... His first professional goaltending start, he was with the Western Michigan Broncos, gets the signing contract with Dan Watson, and he goes up against the best team in the ECHL and dominates them. Honestly, dominates them. He had one slip up in the game, and that was in the second period. When Powell gets his 30th of the season from Jesse Schultz, it's 1-0 Cincinnati after 40 minutes of play. Grissom's getting his second goal as a walleye at the 11.50 mark of the third period, tying this game at 1. They go to overtime. Cincinnati gets one point out of the situation, so now they are officially one point away. Could they get the overtime win? 30 seconds into overtime, the Toledo Walleye and Bill Danford, his third of the season from Shane Burschback and Tyler Spiza, 30 seconds into overtime, breaks the Brabham Cup run for Cincinnati for now. As they went over Cincinnati 2-1, Trevor Goshick, the number one star, of course, Danford, the number two star, Grinsick, his the number three star. 
Toledo was outshot in the game by Cincinnati, 36-30. Both teams over on the power plays. Grosick stopping 35 of 36. Hauser stopping 28 of 30. He'll get the loss. Grosick's getting his first professional win. Time of the game, 2 hours and 21 minutes. Seating 8,079. Another sellout. The 30th sellout in the walleye season. So congratulations to the walleye fans. We're coming out for that, of course, recapping some of the other scores from yesterday in the East Coast Hockey League. Adirondack clinches a spot in the playoffs with a 7-5 win over the Maine Mariners. Orlando, a 5-2 win over Greenville. Kansas City beats Indy and puts them officially out of the playoff spot with a 5-2 win. Wheeling still survives with a 1-0 win over Kansas, uh, Kalamazoo. Excuse me. Brampton, a 7-4 win over Wooster. South Carolina, a 2-4-2 win over the Atlantic Gladiators. And Tulsa shutting out the Utah Grizzlies. By a score of 6 to nothing. The next games for both the Walleye and the Cyclones, they will see each other again on Wednesday night, 7.35 puck drop at U.S. Bank Arena. Cyclones one point away from the Brabham Cup. It will be their second Brabham Cup since in the ECHL since 2008-2009, which started their runs in the playoffs. 7.35 puck drop if you're going to that game, take a lot of pictures and use the hashtag AAA Live for that one. After Thursday, after Wednesday's game, the Walleye will be on the road to West Banco Arena to Wheeling, West Virginia. 7.05 puck drop for that one. Cincinnati at home to take on the Brampton Beast. It is fan appreciation night. Dollar hot dogs, dollar pretzels, dollar beer, dollar sodas. Tons of giveaways. You can go to CincinnatiCyclones.com for ticket information. Toledo returns home on Saturday night for the their fan appreciation night. It is as they take on the Brampton B. 7-15 puck drop for that one at the Huntington Center. The Cyclones on the road in Fort Wayne to take on the since uh, over the Fort Wayne Comets. 7-30 puck drop. That is a possible, possible first-round matchup right there. A first-round preview. And then Sunday, the concluding game. Names of the season, everything, a, one, a 3 to 4 p.m. start time. Toledo is in Brampton to take on the Beast. Cincinnati season ends on Saturday night in Fort Wayne. And Fort Wayne finishes up their run against the Wheeling Nailers on Sunday afternoon. The standings looks like this. Cincinnati, the best team in the league, technically right now, with a record of 49, 12, 5, and 3 with 106 points. Uh, Toledo is in second place with 38, 21, 6, and 3 with 85 points in the Central Division. Fort Wayne holding the third spot at 33, 25, 4, and 6 with 76 points. Kalamazoo, 39, 25, 2, and 3 with 75 points. Wheeling on the outside looking in. They have to win out now at 31, 29, 6, and 3 with 71 points. Indy officially eliminated at 33, 22, and 2, and 2 with 70 points. And the rest of the Western Conference looks like this. The top four spots in the Mountain Division have been claimed. Tulsa, Idaho, Utah, and Kansas City all claiming spots. So pretty much that division's all wrapped up. In the North Division, Newfoundland is has won the Eastern Conference with a record of 43-24-2 and two with 92 points. Adirondack 37-24-5-3 with 82 points. Manchester is 36-29-2-2 and two with 76 points. And Brampton, 35-28-5-1 with 76 points. The main Mariners are 
with 73 points or 35, 20, 30, and 2 and 1. Again, with 73 points. Redding on the outside looking in, probably. These two teams are on the outside looking in. Redding 31, 28, 4, and 6 with 72 points. The South Division, Florida, 102 points. Their record 48, 16, 5, and 1. Orlando at the second position at 38, 25, 4, and 1 with 81 points. Jacksonville is 36, 29, 2, and 2 with 76 points. The final spot still up for grass between Atlanta and South Carolina. I'd like to see Atlanta get in. They're 31, 28, 7, and 3 with 72 points. South Carolina, though, is 33, 31, 5, and 1 with 72 points. So we'll see what happens the final week of the ECHL season. It's been a long run. We'll be, we'll be on the walleye run with everybody here on All Andy Alford as you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight right here. Ah, the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcasts Now. However you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in. And now let's hit the hard court and recap what we've seen in the NCAA tournament. So I don't know about you, but this NCAA tournament has been one, of the, one for the ages. You've seen a lot of great things and a lot of great teams in the NCAA tournament this year. Of course, you know, everybody was talking about Duke and how Duke is going to be top-notch. Well, they're not in the Final Four. Of course, yours truly had Gonzaga. Of course, the bull, the, the Bulldogs of Gonzaga. After getting bounced in the Mountain West Tournament by St. Mary's, I figured maybe they are playing a chip on their shoulder. They might get all the way to the NCAA Final Four. They don't make it. Of course, then I had Kentucky being one of those teams, being a surprising team. They get to the Final Four as well, too. They got beat. And, of course, nobody put Virginia in the hole. I thought, you know, maybe Oklahoma, maybe even Villanova making the run. And, of course, they get beat by Purdue. Easily. By Purdue. So the NCAA Final Four is this. Out of the East Division, the team out of the East is the Michigan State Spartans. Look, I told you. I told you this. Michigan State would be a dominant team. You know, and after the first game of the of the tournament when the when Izzo went after Bradley, I knew for some something was gonna happen. I knew something was going to happen. Out of the West, it's going to be the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Who would have thought Texas Tech would be, you know, with it being a football school, being in the Final Four? Of course, like I said, I had Villanova getting into the Final Four. Out of the out of the South bracket, but of course Virginia has to be Virginia and get in. But how about this? No Kentucky, no North Carolina. It's the Auburn Tigers. I know Sir Charles is very happy about that. Sir Charles is very happy about that. But Michigan State last night was probably the best game of the of the Elite Eight. Beating Duke's 68-67. I thought that was one of the best games out of the whole tournament. 
I thought um, I thought Auburn Kentucky was a pretty good game too. But what surprises me is how well the Texas Tech played. They started the tournament against Northern Kentucky out of the Horizon Conference. They beat the Max representative in Buffalo. Yeah, they beat the in Buffalo. And then they beat Michigan, destroy Michigan 63 to 44 in the Sweet 16 to get to the lead eight to beat Gonzaga 75-69. Unbelievable. Michigan State had Bradley, they beat them 76-65. Then they played the Gophers. They beat them by tw- by 20, 70 to 50. LSU was a little bit of a tough game for them as they won, but they come away with a win 80 to 63. And then, like I said, Duke that game against Duke and Zion Williams kind of hitting that he might be coming back. He might be going to the pros. We'll see. We'll see. Then you get to the South bracket and Virginia. Virginia, the number one seed beating Gardner Webb beating Oklahoma, and then beating Oregon before they played Purdue and beat Purdue. And now they'll play the Auburn Tigers. And then in the Midwest, you had Auburn that ran the table against Kansas and beat them 89-75, beating the number one overall seed, North Carolina Tire Hills in overtime, 97 to 80. And then you play John Calipari and the Kentucky Wildcats, 77 71, to get into the final four. It's unbelievable. So you have a one, a two, a three, and a five seed. And it all tips off this Friday night, excuse me, this Saturday night at 6.09 as Virginia takes on Auburn. Of the final four teams, I hope it's Michigan State versus versus Auburn. I like to see Michigan State get the national championship. And the funny thing is, I have Michigan State in a third bracket winning the whole damn thing. And I didn't play any one of the challenges with that bracket. Any one of the challenges. Speaking of the challenge, the all in the for bracket challenge looks like this. Yours truly is holding strong at second place with 660 points. That's the max I can go. Lucas has seven, Lucas Sigerson one bracket has 760 points. Looking at his bracket, he had Michigan State, Gonzaga, Tennessee, and Auburn. So he will be technically the winner of the NCAA 2K19 bracket challenge. Here's the standings. Prime to bust, which is Damar's bar. I know who that is. Alan Mars. He'll finish in third. The janitor, Nick of E. Probably my old broadcast partner, Nick the Money Man Devera, finishes in fourth. Taron Brand gets the fifth spot. He finishes with the fifth spot. D Train, that is uh Dan Kotnick. No, no, excuse me, not Dan Kotnick. That's uh that's uh Chris Dyer. 181 will finish in sixth place. He had Duke finishing in the whole thing. And then the misses. Amanda finishing in 7th and 8th place. She had Duke and Kentucky in the bracket challenge. So congratulations to Lucas Sigerson. He is our bracket champion. Um, He'll top off at 760 points. I have 660 points. So 
technically he is the winner of the bracket challenge. I thank everybody for participating in the bracket challenge and being a part of it. Uh, Lucas will have dinner. He'll have lunch or slash dinner on yours truly, and he'll be featured on the podcast. We're going to get him on many other times as well, too. So uh, congratulations to Lucas on the podcast. And enjoy the final four, folks. It'll all start up on Saturday. Like I said, 609 Virginia versus Auburn. The concluding game, 30 minutes after, 90 minutes after that game, will be Michigan State and Texas Tech. As you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcasts Now, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program. And now let's hit the diamond. What? We're talking baseball? Yes, we are. It's time for some baseball. So, yes, we are talking baseball, of course. We're back on the diamond, of course. Opening week was last week. The Tigers headed north of the border to take on the Blue Jays. And seeing the Tigers split the series against the Blue Jays was tremendous in a standpoint that, you know, there's possibility of this team. But the thing is, when when you're only scoring two runs... Two runs in the span of 26 innings of baseball. It says a lot. But on opening day, the Tigers did get a 2-0 win over the Jays. It was Altera getting the win for the Tigers. He's 1-0 with a 0 ERA. Hudson, the loss for the Blue Jays. He's 0-1 with an 18 ERA. Shane Green gets the save. His first of the season. Kristen Stewart, homering for the Tigers. His first of the year. The scoring did not happen until the extra frame when they put up a two-spot in the 10th inning. And i tell you this much, Jordan Zimmerman was dominant in the game. He had he was no hit through six and two-thirds innings on Thursday before giving up the first hit. And he only gave up two hits on the game in the game for the, for the Blue Jays. Zimmerman, seven innings, pitched one hit, four strikeouts in the game. Like I said, Christian Stewart in the 10th inning, homering off of Hudson, his first of the season. A great game for the Tigers. A good win. Two hours, 25 minutes was the time of the game. 45,048 in attendance at at um, at Rogers, Rogers Center in downtown Toronto. Friday saw the Tigers get blanked by the Blue Jays by a score of 6 to nothing. Shoemaker, the win, he goes to 1-0 with a 0 ERA. Josh Boyd, the loss, he goes to 0-1 with a 5.40 ERA. He went five innings, five hits, four runs. Those four run, three of them were earned one walk and ten strikeouts in the game. Um, and the Tigers fall to the Blue Jays in the game. For the Blue Jays in the game, no home runs hit in the game for either team. Time of the game, 2 hours and 28 minutes and a solid 18,054 in attendance in Toronto. Then on Saturday, the Tigers' woes continued. They could not get any runs again. Five hits in total as they were shut out by the Blue Jays by a score of 3 to nothing. Sanchez, the win, he goes to 1-0 with a 0 ERA. Turnbull, the loss, he goes to 1-0 with a 5.40 ERA. Gilles, his gets the save for Toronto, his first of the season. Justin Smokehomering for the Blue Jays in the game, his first of the season. Turnbow, five innings, four hits, three runs. All three runs were earned, two walks, five strikeouts. He did give up that home run to Smoke in the, in the fourth inning. Sanchez, five innings, 
three hits, no runs, those no earned, three walks, six strikeouts, and no home runs hit in the game. But the Tigers then in extra innings on Sunday, getting the big win by a score of four to three. In extra frame in the eleventh inning, it was Toronto homering in the game. Taliz his first of the season, but Stuff gets the win. Stump for the Tigers gets the win. He goes to one and zero with a zero ERA. Pono gets the loss. He goes to zero and one with a nine point zero ERA. Shane Green his second save of the season. More starting for the Tigers. He went seven innings, two hits, no runs, no earned, one walk, six six strikeouts in the game. Jimenez the blown save. He gave up three hits on three run with three runs, three earned, one walk, and the one home run he gave up to Tellies. In the game for the Blue Jays, it was Thornton starting for the Blue Jays. He went five innings, two hits, no runs, none earned, no walks, eight strikeouts in the game. So the Tigers, by the way, game time, three hours and 17 minutes, 16,098 in attendance. So the Tigers continue their road swing. They'll head into the Bronx tonight, 7.05 first pitch for that one. Excuse me, 6.35 first pitch on that one. It will be... It will be in the game starting for the Tigers tonight. It will be Ross. No record as of yet. And for the Yankees in the game, starting on the hill for the Yanks, will be German for the Yankees. As he has no record as of yet. The Tigers will throw on the hill on Tuesday Zimmerman, again, he's 0 ERA. He'll face on Masahiro Tanaka, who's 1-0 with a 1.59 ERA. 6.35 start time for that one. The concluding game Wednesday is a 4.05 start time. That's Josh Boyd on the hill, 0-1 with a 5.40 ERA. The Yankees have not yet named the starter, but Thursday, opening day in Detroit, it'll be Turnbull on the hill for Detroit. He's 0-1 with a 5.40 ERA as the Tigers welcome in the Kansas City Royals. For a three-game series Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday, they'll have a day off Monday, and then they'll open up a three-game series against the Cleveland Indians. Get at the Tribe right away. And speaking of the Tribe, today was opening day for the Indians, and we'll break down their game for you. But they started on the road in Minneapolis, and they got blanked by the by the Twin Cities 2 to nothing. Corey Kluber gets the loss. He goes to 0-1 with the 2.57 ERA. Burroughs the win. He goes to 1-0 with a 0 ERA. Rodgers getting his first save of the season. No home runs hit in the game. Kluber, 7 innings, 4 hits, 2 runs. Those 2 runs were earned. 1 walk, 5 strikeouts in the game. Burroughs, 7 2 thirds, 2 hits, no runs, 1 walk, 10 strikeouts in the game for the Twins. On Saturday, the Tribe getting their first win of the season as it was Edwards getting the win for the for the Indians with a late ninth inning run by Ramirez, Hanley Ramirez, his first of the season. Edwards, his first win, he goes to 1-0 with a 0 ERA. Parker, the loss, he goes to 0-1 with a 9.0 ERA. Brad Hank getting his first save of the season as the Tribe getting a 2-1 win over the Minnesota Trins. Trevor Bauer on the hill for the tight for the Indians in the game. He went seven innings, one run. That run was earned. One walk, nine strikeouts in the game. Edwards went two thirds of an inning, giving up nothing for the 
Indians. Hanley Ramirez, like I said, homering in the game in the fourth inning. Orfo Dozy and Ordozy went six in six innings strong. One hit. That run run that he gave up was earned when that was a home run. Two walks, eleven strikeouts in the game for for Ordozy. The concluded game saw the Tiger excuse me, saw the Twins getting a nine three win over the Indians. It was Perez the win. He goes to one with a seven point three six ERA. Cookie Carrasco the loss. He goes to zero and one with a twelve point four six ERA. Cruz homering for the Twins in the game. His first as a season in the fifth inning off of Cookie Carrasco. The Indians in the game. Carrasco four and a third, ten hits, six runs, all six were earned, one walk, four strikeouts, and the one home run. Hit in the game for the Twins in the game, it was P- Michael Pineda, the former uh, New York Yankee. Four innings pitch, one run. That run was not no earned, no runs earned. One walk, five strikeouts. Perez three and two thirds inning for the win for the Twins. He gave up five hits, three runs. All three were earned. Three walks, six strikeouts in the game. Time of the game on. On Sunday afternoon was a balmy 39 degrees at first pitch. That's cold for baseball. 34 degrees, excuse me. Time of the game, 2 hours and 39 minutes, 15,613 in the game. Now, here in the northwest Ohio and Ohio region, we got some snow around the lake belts. So there was about an inch, inch and a half of snow on the ground this past week, this past weekend. Opening day today... In Cleveland, went off without a hitch. The snow was covered off the field. And the Indians come from behind. After being down 3-1 in the 8th inning. Score four runs in the 8th inning. And beat the Chicago White Sox, the Pale Hose, by a score of 5-3. Edwards, the winning goes to 2-0 with a 6.75 ERA. Colby, the loss, he goes to 0-1 with a 6.75 ERA. Brad Hand getting the second save of the season. Cordell homering for the White Sox in the game, his first of the season. Mike Clevenger started the game for the Indians. He went seven innings, one hit, three walks, 12 strikeouts in the game for the Tribe. For the White Sox in the game, it was Nova on the hill. He started started for the, for the Pale Hose. Seven innings, six hits, one run. That run was earned, one walk, and four Strikeouts in the game. Cordell homering his eighth in the eighth inning, his first of the season. So the White Sox look pretty good this year. I, I gotta admit that the White Sox look pretty pretty good. Time of the game three hours and two minutes, thirty four thousand five nineteen in attendance at Progressive Field. Now the Indians will be off tomorrow. They will finish up. They conclude the game series, the quick series against the two game series against the White Sox on Wednesday. As it will be on the hill, Corey Kluber one and zero with a two point five seven ERA. He'll take on Rondon, who's one and zero, zero and one with a three point three eight ERA. One ten start time on Fox Sports Time Ohio. Then they'll open up a four game series against the Toronto Blue Jays on Thursday. Sees San- uh, Sanchez, Aron Sanchez one and zero with a zero ERA. Cleveland and Terry Francona is not yet named the starters for f- for that series. Thornton on Friday for. Toronto Saturday sees both teams have not yet named starters and Sunday 110 start time. Get your tickets by going to Indians.com. 
big then they go to Detroit for a big three game series and they start a big road trip three in Detroit three in Kansas City four three in Seattle before returning home to take on the Atlanta Braves other scores happening around Major League Baseball today of course we have one other day opening day game going on and we've got one that's going on right now as we speak it was the Pittsburgh Pirates playing the St. Louis Cardinals today, and the Cardinals getting a 6-5 win overall. As the Tiger game is just now getting underway. Uh, we also have one other score to pass along to you as well. Uh, it was the Orioles today beating the Blue Jays by a score of 6-5. to five. So, not going to give you a standings because we are now one week. We're getting ready to be one week into opening week for baseball. Pretty much it's open for interpretations, but we'll see what happens with that. Um, you want Everybody wants to know what the prediction is for me this year. Okay. I'm saving that for this upcoming Thursday's edition of All in the Offer. We will be in downtown Toledo for opening day 2019 as the ILS Champion banner will be raised at Fifth Third Field for the Toledo Mudhens, the AAA farm team of the Detroit Tigers. We're going to be doing the podcast in downtown Toledo. A location yet to be determined. Well, if you follow us on Twitter, you'll get the details on Tuesday afternoon. If you're listening to all of the offer tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, However you're listening to me tonight, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in. And now let's dive into the final segments of the show. Of course, you're going to hear the prediction for WrestleMania, and it's also time for Andy Rance. So let's dive into a little pro wrestling. Of course, a lot of you know that I am a pro wrestling fan. I like the WWE. I enjoy the programming with Monday Night Raw and, and, and SmackDown. Hearing SmackDown now going to back to Friday nights on Fox might be an interesting development. We'll see what happens with that. But before we get into that, we have a big event happening this upcoming Sunday at MetLife Stadium in New York City or New in New Jersey, New York, New, New Jersey area, as it is WrestleMania happening at MetLife Stadium. Of a five-hour wrestling event starting this Sunday at five at six o'clock. Big event, big matches, of course. We're going to give out some predictions as well. First and foremost, uh, a key match I'm looking forward to is Shane McMahon versus The Miz in a Falls Count Anywhere match in MetLife Stadium. I project The Miz is going to win that match over Shane McMahon and get some respect after how Shane disrespected The Miz's father and disrespected The Miz. I think The Miz will get some retaliation uh, the whole situation. So there's that number one. First title that will change hands. Of course. We'll be talking about the Intercontinental Championship. With Bobby Lashley. Giving up to Finn Balor of course. I think that will happen. It'll be the first title that will get moved. In that one. So then you have the women's tag team matches. A fail four way between the. With the current champions and Sasha Banks and Bailey, the Boston Hug Connection versus Nia Jackson, Tamina, Beth Phoenix coming out of retirement, taking with Natalia and the one and only the 
Iconics. Doing the strut. I think it's interesting to see this as a fatal four-way match. I like to see this be very, very under underwhelming. And for me, I have to pick the Iconics. I think they're a better team. They'll somehow, someway get either. I mean, both. I think Naya and Tamina are going to be out of it early, but somehow, someway, I think the Iconics can win the title for that. Um, let's talk about some of the key pivotal matches. Of course, um, one of the big matches, of course, of the night will be Seth Rollins taking on uh, Brock Lesnar. For the WWE Universal Championship, I think uh, Rollins has got that wrapped up. I think um, Lesnar wants to go back to UFC and wrestle. This is his final con. This is his final obligated pay per view event. Uh, the whole situation. Well, the Big Four. He did. He did uh, Royal Rumble. He has done um, Survivor Series. So now it's been a full calendar year with him being the Universal Champion. After getting it back, I think um, I think it's pretty much set that it's going to be Rollins to win the title for that one, um, which sets up the final two big ones for me. Uh, I I think uh, we'll start with we'll start with the WWE Championship, which is Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston. Somehow, some way, they're going to write this in as. Kofi getting screwed again. But there's a bit of me that wants to take Kofi Kingston in this match. I think the New Day will get involved with eliminating Rowan somehow, someway. And I think uh, Kofi's going to win the WWE Championship. He deserves it. And I think that would change the dramatics of the, of the, of the storyline for a while. I really do. Uh, and it sets up the big match that's happening. And what we found out just a second ago is that uh, this past week, Charlotte Flair took on Asuka for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. She wins the title. And so now it's Ronda Rousey, who is the Raw Women's Champion, Charlotte Flair, who is the SmackDown Women's Champion, and then you have the man, Becky Lynch. Can I say it, folks? I will say it. I think Becky's going to win it all. All, all, Both titles will be up for grabs in a winner-take-all match now. So I think... So I think Becky's going to win the whole damn thing. And I hope she does. I hope they write it up because she deserves it. She's had one hell of a year. And I hope that Ronda Rousey... Leaves WWE. Because nobody likes her. Nobody likes her. And the way that she. Has dissed this organization. I wouldn't want her anyway. So we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. As you're listening to all Andy offered tonight. Right here on the Anchor Network. Whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Podcast now, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in, and uh, let's dive into Andy Rants. Uh, first and foremost, before we begin, I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning into the program today, and if you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, 
What are you doing? Hit the subscribe button and pass this show around. The more listeners, the better it is for this program. So uh, it's time for Andy Rants. This is going to be a quick two-parter. First and foremost, the Jacket game this upcoming Tuesday night has been flexed to NBCSN. Now, the last two games that the Jackets have done on NBCSN, they have been absolutely bombed and atrocious. Um, They played Tampa Bay at home on a Monday night and were bounced by Tampa Bay by a score of 5-2. It was... um, Vlasov Kochenyov bearing it past at the time Jonas Corposalo and we were on national television for that one and then not even two weeks later we go into Pittsburgh and we get beat by the Penguins by a score of 4-1 to one. this team deserves to be on national television but not at the time when we desperately need wins so flexing this game to an NBCSN game is an absolute wrong idea by the league and by NBC. Let the small guys like Bill Davidge and Brian Giesensloff and, and and Jeff Rimmer and Jody Shelley do these games and let Jack Adams and all the Nesson guys, which is Nesson, Nesson is going to be doing this game. Nesson is doing the game. So why in God's name do we need to have NBCSN and, and Kenny Albert and, and that, that putts in Mike Milbury doing our games? We do not. We absolutely do not. So give it to the small market, guys. Especially this late in the season. That's part one. And it's also also it could be a chinks that we're we're not supposed to be on national television until the playoffs. That's part one. Part two is this: the fact that baseball has finally come around the corner it has absolutely amazed me, blown blown my mind because of the fact that we were not I was not ready for baseball season to start. To be honest. But what do I have to look forward to as a Detroit Tiger fan? A team that's rebuilding that only has one, maybe two best stars in Nick Castellanos and Miguel Cabrera. A bullpen that is that is atrocious. A starting rotation that is laughable without Michael Fulmer on the, on the bump. And a bunch of mud hens that are now Tigers. It's going to be a long year in Detroit. I hope ticket sales go down to 6 or $5 on SeatGeek that I can go up and watch a game and pay that than going over to the fifth or field to watch the Mud Hens. By the way, Joe Napoli doing the game on Thursday in the cold rain. I know it's going to be cold rain. Pull the idea off your head and call the game if it, if it starts getting cold, if it's raining before first pitch. Because there's no need to have people standing out in the pouring rain, drinking $8 beers and freezing their asses off just so that you can make a few dollars. If it's raining and it's going to continue raining for at least two hours or three hours, call the game on opening day. Move it to Friday. The walleye aren't home on Friday. You won't get that big of an attendance on fr- from Thursday night into Friday. So do it then. 
But we will be down at the ballpark this upcoming Thursday for opening day, of course. I'm looking forward to being with you guys, of course. Um, like I said, we will find out our destination on Tuesday afternoon where we're going to be doing the podcast. And uh, you'll hear my MLB predictions prediction show as well. As I know it's going to be a week late, but of course, I had to see everybody out for the first week, of course. And I saw everybody out in spring training, so I really have my list already in my name, my my team's already picked out, so you'll have to wait and find out who I have winning the whole damn thing and winning the Commissioner's Trophy this upcoming season. So looking forward to that. And thank you so much for tuning into the program tonight, as always. You can follow the show on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlford. It is at AllAndyAlford. So until Thursday when I talk to you guys, again, this is Andy Alford saying, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. Game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams that you root for at home. And to my team. Go Jackets! Get the job done against Boston. Finish the job against and finish the job against New York and Ottawa. So we can see Lord Stanley's Cup. Go Walleye. And go Cyclones. Congratulations, Cincinnati, when you get the Bravo Cup. Go Tigers. And go Tribe. And go Spartans. And go Falcons. And by the way, congratulations to the BGSU men's ice hockey team on a tremendous season and first NCAA bid in 29 years. Congratulations, boys. I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. Game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And remember, victory is sweetest when you have tasted defeat. Have a great rest of the week, everybody. I'll talk to you guys on Thursday for opening day. 2019, right here on All Andy Alford. Love you. Talk to you guys then.